Thank you, Matthew. So as we invite Tim up one more time to pray, well, not the last time, but just another time uh, to lead us uh, in the proclamation of the word, I'd like to, uh, us to please join together in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you again this evening for the opportunity to enter into worship through the proclamation of your word. Lord, as we've reached the halfway point of the week, Lord, I just pray that uh, you... You are strong and able. You don't grow weary. You don't grow weak. But your servants, Lord, your servants, Lord, we need refreshing. And so tonight, Lord, I pray that you continue uh, to empower and strengthen Tim as he brings the message, Lord, in us. You've done hard work in us, Lord. And so I just pray, help us to continue to have attentive minds. Help us to continue to have soft hearts. Help us to continue, Lord, to join your spirit in the work that you're doing within us, that you might be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. But the green is a blinking at me. It's a green, but it's blinking at me. Amazing. I know you're focused. Oh, there you go. Thank you, man. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. I love you, Matt. My goodness. Matt or Matthew? Matthew. Okay, okay. Hey, uh, so I don't know what I'm going to ask for tonight, uh, but I got this earlier. Uh, it's a jar. And uh, is it Brenda? Where's she, where's she at? The one who gave the offering, the devotion. Is it, what's her name? Brenda. Okay, Brenda. Uh, I'm going to add to that. Pray and give to the Pastor Tim Yacht Collection. 
I don't know who gave this to me. I have no idea who gave this to me. It was in, a, it was in that paper bag over there, so it's anonymous. It says, a yacht is a lot. This picture won't get you far, but here is a savings jar. And whoever gave me this started it with a quarter. So uh, I'm just, no pressure, no pressure. I would like to take a yacht ride by the end of the week in the bay, but no pressure. It's just right here. Whenever you feel led, just as you feel led, all right? Hey, uh, I told you I got a whole bunch of people at home praying. They are so jealous of me, of me our guests, or viewers, or something. They absolutely love you guys. I go home. I don't know if you all know this. I, I give them reports. I, I say, here's what happened today, and, and they can't wait. So they're actually texting me and asking me, so, so what happened today? And so, so, uh, so here's this one. I want to give you this, this precious woman. I, she gave me a voice text. I won't play it for you. It's about 20 seconds, maybe 30. And um, her name is Teresa Blight. Teresa Blight, um, let me just tell you this. Teresa Blight, five years ago, was a bouncer in a tequila bar in Miami, Florida. You don't want to mess with Blight. You don't. If you see that, she's kind of a stout woman. She's pretty stout. Uh, I'm scared of her. I know that. And she's, uh, she's about 68 years old. And when she was 62 years old, she was a bouncer in a tequila bar in Miami, Florida. 62-year-old bouncer in Tequila, Florida, or Tequila, Florida, <laughs> Miami, Florida, Tequila Bar, Tequila Bar. And I don't even know, I don't know anything about Tequila Bars or bouncers, I don't, but, but, uh, so, but so she got saved at one of our services on Thursday night. She got radically saved and she gave her life over to Jesus. Today, five years later now, so a year came and passed and then she came to Mercy Street five years ago and Mercy Street is our addiction ministry. She didn't have an addiction although she, works at, she worked at a tequila bar, uh, but she didn't have an addiction. She just heard about this service on a Thursday night that was just kind of real and raw, and, and we served food, and I think the food got her. And she came and gave her life to Jesus, and she, for the first time, fell in love with Jesus Christ, for the very first time. And uh, she, was just, she said, I, I just want to serve the kingdom. And so today, she is the executive director of the Macy House. The Macy House so Macy was a young lady in our community who was homeless. Unfortunately, she died. She, she, uh, we don't know if she committed suicide. We just don't know. But Macy died. And the house was developed for homeless and transitional people. Teresa Blight, she didn't finish high school. She, uh, she fell in love with a Greek sailor at age 16, sailed the world with a Greek sailor on a yacht, now, if that's not a confirmation that I need a yacht, I don't know what is. But she, uh, she just lived this incredible life, Kendall, and uh, she never finished high school, but she is a leader. She's the executive director of the homeless transitional house in Corden, Indiana. That we, she went to the Joshua Center. For those in the Bible study, you all know the, uh, the Joshua Center. We talk, talked a little bit about the Joshua Center that Firmers Chapel was blessed to establish about six years ago. And so I just, she gives me these random things. And here's this random text that, and she's my heckler. She's my holy heckler. She sits about right here in the second pew of, my, of our little country church. And she'll just raise her hand in the middle of the service. And you all know how I kind of move around. And, and she's like, Pastor Tim, I have a question. Like, okay. And uh, that's Teresa. But here's, here's, I'll see if this works here. But here's her voice text she sent me this afternoon. Mexican for so long, I thought I should give you just a couple of facts about Michigan in case you want to check them out. Michigan is home to the world's largest weather vane, and it's located in Montague. Anybody knew that? Michigan has the most lighthouses in the U.S. They have 116. I would have thought, like, Vermont or one of the East Coast states would have had the most. Michigan. And this one should interest you. Cologne is home to the world's largest manufacturing company of magic supplies. So there you go. It's news you need to know, but don't need to know. Brought to you. <laughs> Teresa Blight, Teresa Blight is famous. She's, uh, she's made like, 
headlines around the world, I think, with all of her antics. Uh, she is a delight. I'm going to tell you, if there's anybody who has been captivated by the Spirit of God, it is Teresa Blight. And I just wish, I wish every church and every uh, uh, place in the land could have a Teresa Blight. You can't have mine. I got Teresa Blight. But uh, uh, she's a hoot. She's an absolute hoot. So, hey, youth, we are so glad you're here again. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. Um, I think, Elijah, are we good with that video for like three minutes? I want to show you a video that we showed on Sunday. You may have not, you, some, some of the youth said, hey, I heard about a video, and maybe they were asking about maybe seeing it. We'll show you a video. You all have seen this if you're here Sunday night, but I think it's worth showing it one more time for the youth. So take a look, three-minute video. There's a So young folk, I just want you to know for the rest of your lives, there's a ghost living in you if you're born again. And there's going to be a lot of opportunities for young folk for you to grow up. And we're going to talk about suffering tonight. Woohoo! Because there's suffering involved in all of our lives. And the only one who can keep you from being afraid is the Holy Ghost. So we just want you to know. 
always know there's a ghost as you're saved, as you're born again. God sends his spirit inside of you. The Holy Spirit knows how to direct you to the husband you're going to marry or to the wife you're going to marry. The Holy Ghost knows which job you should take. The Holy Ghost knows exactly how you're supposed to live your life. Only the Holy Ghost can tell you that. Keep the ghost. Amen? Keep the ghost. Say that. Keep the ghost. Just freak people out. I have a ghost inside of me. Just freak them out. Jesse. Oh, my gosh. I, I know. Um, I've only met Jesse since... Uh, We've been BFF since Monday or Sunday, maybe Sunday, actually Sunday. We've been BFF since, and he's buying me breakfast uh, tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. So um, I just love this man and his spirit. Yeah, can you just, I mean, it takes, it takes a special anointing to be a youth leader. And, uh, and he's, uh, we exchanged a couple of basketball stories uh, a little bit uh, during the supper line. And, and I can just kind of see he's got some silky moves about him and all that. But, but I'm going to tell you, I just get a get great sense of his anointing, his humility. And I just, I love you already, Jesse, and your wife, Jen, Jen right? And uh, you youth, I just tell you, thank you, for, uh, uh, thank you for pouring into these youths. And youth, you are blessed to have a, a youth leader, a, a dean of the youth camp who just has such a great love and a great passion for the Lord. And, and so I just love you, brother, and I appreciate you. And we love the youth. Uh, will you bless it for the, we'll bless the youth one more time. Will you just bless the youth? Uh, we love you guys. We love you. Love you. Levi, I love you, man. You know why? We got a special bond. Starts with a B, brisket. All right. Hey, um, we'll, uh, we're going to get going. Uh, listen, we, uh, last couple of nights, we've kind of run over a little bit, and I think what Brenda said, I want to honor those children's workers and those nursery workers, so we're going to take good order tonight to get done here well in order, and we just want to honor those folk who pour out their lives, uh, and we want to we watch over them. So we're going to do good order here tonight. Let's jump right into Romans 8. Picking up at verse 18, all right? So remember last week, we, or last night, uh, we stopped at suffering, and Paul was doing so good. Paul was doing so good. Paul was talking about heirs and co-heirs and glory. He was talking about all this good stuff, and then he ends with what? But if you're going to share, listen, if you're going to share, somebody say share. It's glory. Say glory. He says you're going to have to share in God's suffering. Yuck. You might say yuck. Uh, man, I don't want to suffer. Nobody wants to suffer. But here's the thing we got in common. Everybody, Alistair, we got something in common. Every one of us in this room have something in common, at least one thing. We all either suffer or going to suffer. Alistair, right? Alistair, yeah, yeah. I just, I've never met him. Oh, yeah, no, I don't. I just, the Holy Spirit just told me his name. Plus, he told me to me when he was at the altar last night. Anyway, so, so, I love you, man. So, so, yeah, so, 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 so we suffer, and so Paul continues this theme, and look at this theme, look at this theme, yet what we suffer, somebody say yet, yeah. yet we are going to suffer, but it doesn't even compare what's waiting for us where, in glory later, right, come on guys, this is why they're so, anybody like heaven songs, I said anybody like heaven songs. Come on, guys. I'm going to ask you one more time. Anybody like heaven songs? Songs about heaven, right? When the roll is called up yonder, right? And there's a reason that we gravitate to songs like that because we know that at some point all this suffering, all this brokenness here is somehow, God is somehow translating something good, right? Somehow, no, it's got to translate into something good, right? But here's the, here's the fallacy in this. If we're careful, if we're not Hello, okay, okay. 
They're like one of those singers, you know, with the high, the high note. Whoa! Okay, so we won't do that. So thank you guys so much. We love you so much. My goodness. Um, so nothing's going to compare. So Colossians 3 tells us. Listen, what is, anybody know what Colossians 3 tells us? Anybody know? You got to know your word. You got to get in your word, know your word, know your word. It's not going to be a contest. Listen, it's not going to be a competition. Listen, it's not going to be a quiz. You're not going to get quizzed on the knowing the word. But knowing the word now helps you survive this world now. Guys, you got to know the word. You got to know the word. Colossians 3 begins with set your mind on things where? Above. Set your heart. He goes on. Jeff, it goes on to say set your heart on things where? Above. The reason that you and I have to set our hearts and minds above is things below sometimes are miserable. And you know who's going to help us set our minds and hearts above? Holy Spirit, D.D., the Holy Spirit. And this is what Paul is saying. Paul is telling the church, y'all know how the Christians in Rome were killed, right? Y'all know how the Christians in Rome? He's talking to Christians in Rome. Listen. There's this, there's this, the, the Nero, Nero. We studied this in seminary. I'm thinking, I, I'm born again, right? I'm first, like the first six months of my life. I go into seminary. I want to hear all about the good stuff of Jesus, right? And one of the first classes is like, they're telling us how the, the, how the early Christians died. I'm like, I'm kind of like out. <laughs> I'm like, woo! Nero, the emperor of Rome, used to take Christians. And listen, and used to spear them alive vertically, impale them vertically, have them hang on a pole alive, cover them with pitch like tar, and set them on fire as a lantern for his dinner parties. Context means everything. Suffering, Justin, suffering is a part of our life. I don't know. I know. I he doesn't know. First time all week long, I called him Justin. He's looking for Chuck. Where's Chuck? I almost thought about Chuck, but I wanted to just honor the man. So, so I'm just saying that context is seriously important, and the context is seriously different than our world. The world that the Romans, the, the world that the Roman Christians lived in was crazy harder than the world we actually live in. I mean, it's crazy what the, set, the, the, the surrender and the sacrifice that these Christians made to follow this madman named Jesus. And we stop following Jesus because it gets a little hard. We stop following Jesus because life kind of bumps around. Teens, young folk, you just got to know. You've got to prepare now for suffering later. Don't be surprised by suffering. We can't be surprised. And the person that's going to help us motivate, the person that's going to help us motor through, persevere through suffering is the Holy Spirit. That's what he says. Paul says that the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that, that we're going to suffer now, but he's going to help you keep your mind on heaven. He's going to keep your heart on heaven. There's a thousand stories. Anybody know uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs? Anybody know that book? Fox's Book of Martyrs. Read it. But you might not want to read it before you go to bed at night. It's a troubling book. But here are these martyrs in, in the ancient world and any, more, any kind of more recent, too, where, where they were flayed and skinned alive while they were still living and breathing, and yet and they, they, they're giving glory to God. They're like sitting here, they're, they're like trying to witness. So here's people like literally killing them at, as they are being, as they're talking to the, their persecutor, their, their murderer, they're saying, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And no offense, guys, we don't even really witness well on our very best days. A.W. Tozer says if there's a lack of spiritual fruit, and if there's a lack of spiritual maturity, and if there's a lack of spiritual boldness, there must be a lack of spirit. Simple, I mean, logical, right? 
if there's a lack of spiritual fruit and there's a lack of spiritual maturity and if there's lack of spiritual boldness, there must be a lack of the Spirit. Because the Spirit brings all that. And tonight, we want to just talk briefly about this suffering piece because the Bible talks a lot about suffering. Amen? Come on, anybody hear the name Job? Come on. Oh, my gosh. Our favorite book. Verse, verse 19. Look at verse 19. Next verse. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. We talked about this last night about, about who are children of God and who aren't children of God. I'm not going to revisit that tonight. I think it's a really important point. I think our culture today is really just like everything else in Christianity has messed that up. I think the Christian the culture today tells us that everybody's a child of God. I'm not trying to be mean at all, but, but that's not what Bible, that's not the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach that. Emily, the Bible doesn't teach we're all children of God. I don't know if you read John 1.12, but I invite you to write, read John 1.12, continue to read Romans 8, and there's other passages about children of God. And, and so, so I, if we're all children of God, let me ask this. If we're all children of God, why does the Bible say that at the end of time, God will reveal who the real children are? Why does it say this if we're all children of God? Why does God have to reveal who the real children are? So when I ask, when we ask you if you had, if you just didn't know, if you didn't know, if you didn't know that you were a child of God, you were invited to come forward last night. Well, guess what? That altar calls open every night. Amen. Every night. Every night. Verse twenty. So verse twenty twenty one together. Look at this. So against its will, all creation. So creation didn't do a thing to suffer the way it's suffering. Against its will, all creation was subjected, was subjected to God's curse, but with eager hope. So there's a curse upon this land. You all know that, right? The curse started a few years ago. A few, a couple or more. The curse began at the garden. When, 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 when a true Adam and an Eve, and young people, I just want to encourage you, you're going to live into something, you're going to fall into something, or you're going to at least bump into something called progressive Christianity. And I just have one really big word with a capital R, run. Do not play patty cake with progressive Christianity. It is the most insidious thing I've ever seen the enemy do. And so just run from anything that sounds like progressive Christianity. And you check it out and kind of know what it's like. But what they say is that, that this world, we need to save the world. You know the number, I think it's in the top three of progressive Christianity's uh, 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 top, top goals. I think there's eight goals. And anybody check out progressive Christianity website since we've been here since we've talked? So, so in the top eight, I think there's eight uh, goals or tenets, whatever they call them. Somewhere in the top three or four is to do something with the earth, save the earth. Is it at the bottom? It may be at the, somewhere in that, somewhere in, somewhere in the top eight. I mean, that's one of their things. Save the earth or is it number seven? So it says protect the earth or something like that, right? Does it say anywhere in there save souls from hell? I've seen more passion saving whales and saving puppies and saving the climate than I've seen saving people. From a very real hell. Why? Something got mixed up. We're not listening or reading the word, or we're not letting the word really penetrate. It's because the world is going to end. There's going to be anybody know? Have you read? Have you read? Have anybody read the end of the book? Anybody know the good news, bad news? The bad news, good news. The good news, bad news. The good news, bad news. Good news. Jimmy is this. There's a new heaven and a new earth are coming. That's the good news, Seth. What's the bad news? The old heavens and the old earth are going to burn up. Have you read that? So I'm not saying, I'm not saying my wife, almost, she almost got me in a fist fight one day. We were at, a, in fact, it was the Kalamazoo Balloon Festival. And it was like the first year we were married. And um, she's big, big, big on littering. You don't litter around Pam Johnson. She'll take you to town quick. And, and so here we are. It's the Kalamazoo Balloon Festival. And, um, and, and so we're there, thousands of people, you know, in the parking lot, which is just a field. And we're going 15 different directions. And, and no one's going anywhere. We're just sitting there. And I, I'm driving. And her father-in-law, her father, my father-in-law is in the front seat. We just got married a year ago. Her mother and the mother, my mother-in-law and her are in the back seat. And right next to us, kind of cattywampus, because cars are going everywhere, this guy's like, he finishes, I guess, something like a McDonald's something, and he rolls up the bag, and he just, uh, boom, throws it out. 
Pam rolls her window down, it was those, and she says, hey, that's what she said, hey, I'll back up, hey, and, 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 and the guy like, what, pick that up, no, don't make me get out of the car, my wife said. guy says, do something about it. Pam's hand gets on the door in that latch. I'm panicked. I'm going to have to either watch my wife beat him up or be some kind of hero and step in and get my butt kicked. I don't know what was going to happen first. So I didn't know. And so I looked over and said, sweetheart. And mom, God bless mom, she reaches over and pulls the car. Calm down, Pam. Calm down. So, no, we're not supposed to just trash the world, but we are supposed to care more about people than the planet. Amen? Against its will, all creation was subject, subject to God's curse, but with eager hope. The creation looked forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. One day, see, I told you last night, you know, Paul talks about this, that we're dying. Our bodies are dying. Our bodies are dying. I'm 58 years old. I still think I can kind of, uh, my, my mind is 28. My body is 58. And uh, sometimes after my mind takes over, my body is 78. Anybody, anybody? And says, what were you thinking? So our bodies are decaying. But here's, look at verse 22. We're going we're gonna to really kind of focus on 23 in just a second. For we know that all creation has been groaning, has in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. We're going to hear the word groan in just a second. My first, uh, my wife was amazing in delivery. I'm telling you, uh, she had a two-hour labor with Taylor. She had a 40-minute labor with Merritt. She had a 20-minute labor with Olivia. Doctor said, if you ever have a fourth kid, you need to come here about a week before. Because you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. And uh, so we're in the, uh, we're the very first, you know, Taylor, we're the, Taylor's born in 1967. Is that right? 1966, 1960, 1990. I'm sorry, 1996 or 1997. Sorry, 1996, 1997. And uh, so he's uh, 28 years old. So y'all do the math. Uh, I, I can't do that. So, so whenever he was born, he's 28 years old. But he's, she, we go in at midnight, and we're in the labor and delivery, and and uh, and she's not having any contractions yet, except the, the you know the, the kind of the easy ones. <coughs> Sorry. And uh, so uh, we, I tell this story. One time I said that she was just having easy contractions, like every woman in the place, like what? Anyway, so 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 she's uh, uh we are sitting there. Uh, I'm waiting, and I've got my snack baggie because you know husbands need their snack baggies, right? And uh, I'm popping cashews and and almonds, and finally the labor comes, and I lean over and like you know I help her. I'm a good husband. I like breathe, honey, breathe. <laughs> you know the breathing technique. And she finally like said, honey, get a breath mint or I'm gonna hit you. You got cashew breath. You got cashew breath. And so I went and got my little. Uh, I had my breath mints. Praise God. And when I had my breath mints, there's a woman down the down the hallway. I don't. This was scary. I mean, she let out this blood-curdling scream, like, oh, and Pam's like, her eyes get big, I get, it's our, it's our first baby, it's her first baby, so we're like, I don't know what's happening, and finally Pam tells the nurse, can we close that door? Because this is just freaking us out, and and uh, so the, she finally, you know, she, she had, uh, uh, we had Taylor, and everything was fine, and I'm guessing the woman was okay. But it's talking about childbirth, the pains of childbirth, and you women know this verse a whole lot better than us men. Amen. But this creation is groaning. Somebody groan for me. Somebody, somebody groan for me even better than that. Come on, groan for me. I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a space kind of geek. I love I love shooting stars. Anybody? I don't know God speaks to me through shooting shooting stars sometimes. It's amazing. And and uh, if you send uh, about five years ago, they released a video, uh, 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 Jesse, uh, and they I think it was attached to the Hubble telescope or whatever whatever it was. It was to the it was to the space station, and they recorded the sound of the universe cosmos. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't know if you saw it or heard it, but. You know what it sounded like? 
released a video, an audio visual, an audio vi- video, an audio of the sound of space. And it sounds like groaning. Check it out. Come, check it out. So here's this creation groaning. Now here's verse 23. Here's what we're going to look at tonight. Here's where we're going to really kind of spend just a couple minutes on. Here it is. A lot of good stuff here. Hang with me. A lot of good stuff. And we believers also groan. Amen. Guys, anybody ever groan? Anybody ever groan? Listen, guys, it says we as believers are going to groan even though. Somebody say even though. Even though we have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's not going to keep you from suffering, guys. The Holy Spirit's not going to keep you from hurting, guys. The Holy Spirit's not going to keep you from groaning, guys. But the Holy Spirit's going to keep you. He's going to keep you in love with Jesus. He's going to keep you steadfast. He's going to keep you in in, in step with God. He's going to keep you. But he's not going to keep you from suffering. We live in a very broken world. Anybody know that, right? We live in an absolutely broken world, a world with pain and suffering and and angst. We live in a world where where people die of cancer all the time. We live in a world where people have car crashes all the time. We live in a world where, where, where things just happen all the time. We suffer. There's this belief, there's this some, some of this belief, and, and tonight I just want to encourage you, I want all of us to just learn how to rely on the Holy Spirit more than ever before. That's my only heart, my only passion, is that we would rely on the Holy Spirit of a living God more and more and more. But if all we rely on on the Holy Spirit is for goosebumps and religious highs, we're wrong. We need to mature. Sometimes our best Holy Spirit moments is when we're groaning the loudest. Now, he's inside of us. The Holy Spirit's inside of us, and he's going to give us that foretaste of glory, Mike. Right? He's going to give us, he's going to give us that foretaste of glory. He's going to help us understand that there's heaven to come. He's going to help us understand this is nothing compared to what's coming. He, he's going to help us understand these trials and these tribulations are nothing but a blip on the radar compared to the eternal way of glory I'm going to experience. Amen? I don't know how many people I've seen in the history of my ministry so far stop loving Jesus because someone in their life suffered. They just stopped. Because somehow or another we thought that God was going to protect us from all suffering. No. Now I don't have an answer for that. I don't know why. I wish I could. I wish I could say here's exactly why God did or didn't. But there's no answer. And I would be aware of anybody who has an answer for that. Because the Bible doesn't give an answer for why they're still suffering. But there is lots of scripture that talk about how God wants to use our suffering somehow to elevate, exalt Jesus. And our suffering is not supposed to keep us away from God, but to draw us closer to God. We long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Anybody long for their bodies to be released from their sin and suffering? Come on, guys, anybody. Anybody long for this? I long for my body to be released from sin and suffering. But we too, we wait with an eager hope that the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised each of us. Her name is Carol. I asked her today if I could tell her story real quick, and she said, absolutely. Carol, a member of my church, she's 68 years old, I think, maybe 70 by now. She was the one treasurer that made the cut. If you remember Bible study, we had, when I first got to Firmer Chapel in 19, or I'm sorry, 2005, we had 15 checking accounts, 13 treasurers, and eight treasurers of the 13 were related. And we had 75 members in church. Everybody had a checking account. We had checking accounts nobody was in charge of. 
And the first, I, I, we got there in July of 2005. In February of 2006, we had to do an audit, internal audit, just to see we were missing $3,000. And I confronted someone and said, hey, I, what's going on? We were missing $3,000. And the answer was, it happens all the time. So the first year of my young life at Trevor's Chapel, you know, I met this church, is I had to figure out somehow how to release 12 of the 13 treasurers and still escape with my life. Because when you mess with a small country church's finances, you might as well slap somebody's mama. Because it becomes personal real quick. And so, so we finally, and Carol was the one who made the cut. Carol was the one who made the cut. Carol was our, was our treasurer, and she is still our treasurer. Let me tell you her quick story. Ten years ago, Carol called me at 2.30 in the morning. Her daughter, Pam, had had an aneurysm. Clark County Memorial Hospital, she calls me. I run over to Clark County Memorial Hospital at 2.30, and I get there just in time to see Pam take her last breath. Eight years, now, now two years later, eight years ago, Carol's mama died of a stroke. Two years later, six years ago, Chuck Hendrick, her husband, died of lung complications. Four years ago, two years after her husband died, her mother-in-law, who she was closer than to her mother, Irma, died. Two years ago, her only last surviving daughter, Tina, died of pancreatic cancer. Two months ago this year, Carol was diagnosed with breast cancer. Sunday ago, she sings in our choir. She has no hair now because of the chemo. She was singing in the choir. It just so happened that one of those songs that we latch on to, one of those songs that we hold on to, one of those songs that we just kind of like, yes, this, is our, this has got to be our anchor. And she's up there at our traditional service, arms lifted high. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. She's singing up over the top of her lungs. Her hands are lifted high. I texted her today. I said, can I tell your story tonight? Can I tell your testimony that you've shared at our church? That about 10 years ago, she'd been in church all of her life. She's 68, 70 years old. She'd been in, her ch in, our, in some church all of her life. So she was kind of born in the pew. And so about 58 or 60 years old, when she was at Firmer's Chapel, that's about the time we started really digging deep into the study of the Holy Spirit. About 10 years ago, she started studying about who the Holy Spirit was inside of her. Her testimony today is this. If it weren't for understanding the power of God inside of me, there's no way I could handle the last 10 years. She has grown in her joy. There's nobody in our church that has more joy than Carol Hendrick. Nobody. Explain that to me, Kendall. How does a woman who has suffered incalculable loss, her name is Joe, basically. She's suffered loss after loss. She's by herself. She lives alone. She's got nobody left in her family. And now she's battling likely a life-threatening issue herself. And she's got more joy than she's ever got in her life. She is more free than she's ever been in her life. She now witnesses to everybody who will ever listen to her saying, I don't know how much time I got on this planet, but I want to tell you about a God who lives inside of you and can give you peace and he can give you something besides just physical healing. If your faith is based on whether you suffer or not, you probably don't have faith.
We spend so much time and energy running away from suffering when sometimes God just simply says, I can use that, you know. told our church before, I, I just feel like, and this is talking to me, this is talking to me, I, I, I'm convicted like crazy, and, and when I look at this, I look at Carol and talk to Carol, but I want to get tougher. Can I just ask, anybody here want to be a tougher Christian? Anybody here want to be a tougher Christian? You know what I mean? You're not going to give up because it gets a little hard. Anybody over here want to be a tougher Christian? You don't want to give up when it gets a little hard. You don't want to, you don't want to, you actually don't want to waver and doubt God, even when it's so easy to waver and doubt God. And I, God still loves us even if we waver, even, so there's not any condemnation here. I just want to be, I don't know what I would be if I were living in the day of Nero. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if I, if I would have survived Nero. I just wonder. But here's the church. They just keep marching on. Here's the church. They keep marching on. Here's the church. They keep marching on. And one of the things I think is because the teaching and the presence and, and, and the understanding of the Holy Spirit was so real. Does that make sense? I was talking to a young person just today. 20, 21-year-old young person. Won't tell you her name, but she said, 20 years old, 21 years old. Never really heard any teaching of the Holy Spirit. Dang. Why don't we teach about the Holy Spirit? Can you just pray them today? Why aren't we teaching about the power inside of us? Why aren't we teaching the biblical truth that Jesus Christ sent his spirit to live inside of you and me so we could be tough Christians? Why don't we teach it? Why don't we teach it? Embrace that living. I want to be a tough Christian, and I do, I really do. It's scary, but I, I want to be a tough Christian. But you know what makes us tough? Sorry, sorry, what? What makes us tough? When we're tough. You know what doesn't make us tough? makes us spiritually lazy. Right? Now listen, I don't think anybody in the in their right mind, and I know I'm never going to say it, and I don't think the Bible teaches this, that you're supposed to pray for suffering. That's just dumb. You don't pray for suffering. That's just dumb. But guess what you're going to experience in this world? So instead of spending so much energy in our prayers asking God to deliver us from suffering, how about Chuck? We spend a lot of time saying, God, use my suffering. Make me tougher for the kingdom of God. How about it, church? One last verse tonight, verse 24, I think. We're given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. One last verse, I think, 25, right? Yeah. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. I want to tell you one more story. Good timing right here. Let's go. One more story, and we're going to invite you to, to do something with your suffering, okay? One more story. I was blessed to go to Guatemala. Uh, oh, my gosh, this was years and years ago. Um, I never wanted to be a missionary, but God saw otherwise. I've been on 80 mission trips now or so, and, and I never wanted to go international. That was for somebody else. I just want to preach. I want to be a pastor. I want to teach. But now God says, you know, uh, 24 years ago, God put me on a plane, and I've been on a plane ever since, back and forth and back and forth. And, and I was in Guatemala, in the jungles of Guatemala uh, one, one year, and we were doing a, a pastor's conference. And so we were inviting pastors from all over Guatemala to come and, and teach. We were teaching about how to preach the gospel. 
we were teaching about how to be a pastor of the gospel. And so it was me and a couple other guys that were teaming up. And uh, so it was a Tuesday. I've been there since Sunday. It was a Tuesday afternoon. I still remember exactly what time. It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And we, had, we, t- we ended our teaching, and we invited people to come up for prayer. If anybody wanted prayer, just come on up. And, uh, and there's about 100 uh, uh, pastors in the room, all Guatemalans. And, and uh, of course, I have translators and all that. And there's like three uh, of us together. So it was me and another pastor and, my, and another pastor. So there's, there's three of us there together. And as we were standing there, he, uh, I saw him. I saw him come up. And, and he's, you know, uh, he's, he's, he's like four foot 11. He's a tiny guy, five foot. And he comes up. And you just see the sadness in his face. It's like sadness in his face. And, and so uh, he comes to me. I was available for the prayer. And, and the translator comes up. And, and I just simply said, hey, how, how can I pray for you? That's it. Just how can I pray for you? And um, he said, um, well, I heard about this pastor's conference to learn how to be a pastor, to learn how to preach about Jesus, to learn how to share about my faith, I I, I learned. I heard that this 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 uh, this this pastors conference is going to help me be a better Christian. And so, me and my son, my thirteen year old son, started walking from a village miles away. We started walking there like last week. I don't know if you've ever been to like a Guatemala or Colombia, but the traffic there is crazy. Through translation, I found out that a 13-year-old son had gotten hit by a semi-truck on Sunday. And through translation, I found out that the pastor buried his son on the side of the road and kept walking to the pastor's house. Because he said this, my son couldn't do anything to help himself, but I want to learn how to be a stronger Christian, and I want to be able to preach the gospel. I want to be a kind of preacher. I want to be a kind of Christian that, that, that makes a difference, and I'm standing there, and like many of you, hand to the mouth, and like, what am I hearing? What am I hearing? Is this real life? And I looked at him. I looked at the translator. I said, I don't need to pray for you. You need to pray for me. And I hugged him. I just hugged him. I just hugged him. He hugged me so tight. We just like hugged for like 20 minutes. He wept. I wept. There was no need for translation. At the end of those 20 minutes or so, I, I, I stopped hugging, and we kind of we broke the embrace, and I, and I looked at him, and I spoke through the translator, can I, can I somehow pray for you? And he said, you're already sick. has a ministry in Guatemala now called Hope Against Hope. And he leads people to Christ by the dozens. And he teaches about suffering and how God can use it. Nobody in their right mind would tell you to pray for suffering. The Bible's never going to tell you to pray for suffering. Bible promises you will suffer. Instead of spending so much time and energy praying against suffering, how about we spend some time, Dominic, asking God to use it in your life? How about we ask God to make us tougher? There's still a world out there to be saved, amen? Now, Guys, if, if we don't have the Holy Spirit in us, you know this suffering thing is going to just, it's not going to happen, is it? This suffering thing is going to eat us alive, right? There's no way, without the power of the Holy Spirit, there's no way we are going to be able to do this, brother. We can't. 
but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? We can somehow let God use our suffering for his glory. Somehow or another, somehow or another, he gets glory for our suffering. I want to be like Carol. don't want to be like Luis. I don't want to be like Luis. I don't want to be like Carol, but I don't want to be like Carol. I don't want to be like, yeah, you get it. Here's what we're going to do tonight. I love you guys so much. Here's how we're going to wrap up tonight. I think we all have suffering in some way or another, don't we? Don't we? I'm just going to invite you to the altar rail. It's going to be a real simple just a, just a real simple call. I think sometimes we just need to come to God and pour out our hearts with what we're suffering. And maybe, maybe just maybe, as we're pouring that suffering out to God tonight, we say, okay, God, I may, I, I still want you to rescue me from suffering. That would be nice. But make me tough. Use my suffering. Use my suffering for your glory. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? That's, that's what Paul's telling the church in Rome. That's why he's telling them that you're going to suffer, but guess what? There's a hope. There's a hope. There's a hope in glory. And, and we got to keep our eyes and, and our hearts set on Jesus and set on heaven. But, guys, there's going to be suffering in this world. There's going to be suffering in this world. I told, I, I, I told the um, – Bible study this, and I'll just give you a quick update. This is like seriously 120 seconds, we're done. My son Taylor, they lost their dog. They lost their dog, Sable. Sable ran away, and, and this was since Sunday, and, and Taylor and Colleen, have uh, they've been searching and searching. I called them uh, today and asked where any, any word, and no, no word. And so obviously as the days go from Sunday to Tuesday to Wednesday to now Thursday, hmm, here's the deal, though. Taylor, my 28-year-old son, kind of struggling a little bit with faith here right now. He lived in the pastor's house all of his life. But right now, he's trying to figure out, why? Why can't God bring my dog home? The answer I got, profound, I don't know. But it's not so much if God's going to bring your dog home is if you're going to trust God even if he doesn't. That's all this father could say. Guys, I love you so much. Adam, I love you, brother. I'm going to invite you at the altar rail. If you want to bring maybe uh, someone with you, if you've got somebody, something on your heart that you just, you just need to pour out to God. I just, tonight, I just, uh, 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 something that you might be suffering with. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm, I've got some things I'm suffering with. I do. I'm just as human as you all, and I'm going to be the first one at this altar rail, and I'm going to ask God, I want to be a tougher Christian. I'm inviting youth. I'm inviting older folk. I'm inviting anyone who just wants to surrender whatever they're suffering with to God and say, yes, God, I'd be okay if you eliminate the suffering, but make me a tougher Christian. Make me tougher. Make me tougher. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Oh, oh, <laughs> this is not, we wouldn't, we would love a world. We would love a world. We would love a world, Lord Jesus, where there's no more suffering. There's no more tears. There's no more pain. There's no more death. Oh, wait, there is a world like that. Praise God, there is a world like that, but it's not here and it's not now. There is a world to come where there's no more pain. There's no more suffering. And we won't ever be able to have to pray about our suffering ever again. We'll never have to do that because there will be no suffering. Praise be to God. But in the meantime, I pray tonight that, that we will learn how to set our eyes and set our hearts on heaven. Maybe that's the prayer tonight as we come to this altar rail. As we come to this altar rail, maybe, maybe our prayer is, Lord, will you teach me how to set my eyes and heart on, on heaven even more? Maybe, maybe our prayer is like Carol. Lord, help me learn more about you, Holy Spirit, than I ever have learned, even in my suffering.
maybe our prayers like Luis. Lord, I know there's things I'm going to suffer. There's things that I'm suffering now. Will you make me stronger? Will you make me tougher for the kingdom? May I not shrink back. May I step forward. And maybe, just maybe, especially maybe for our young folks today, maybe, just maybe, there's a prayer that says, Lord, I know there might be suffering to come. Help me prepare for it now. Lord Jesus, wherever we are, I pray that we use this altar well tonight. I pray we use this altar well tonight. I, I pray that we give you our suffering. Whatever we're suffering with, I pray we use this moment well. We groan, Lord. You know we groan. But even while we're groaning, we're going to praise you. We might be a groaning, but we're going to praise you as well. Teach us in the midst of the suffering. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, you're invited to join at the altar rail.